Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they look good in church. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. I was proud of those eggs last night. Thought they fought their teeth out. Doors in the back. You can leave. Ushers. Just kidding. Just kidding. Praise the Lord, kind of. <laughs> Starting a series today, I think it's the most important series of the year. I'm calling it Unbroken. Well, I feel it right now even as I say it. Everybody starts out broken. You don't come to God fixed. Nobody's ever come to God fixed. What do we need God for if we're already fixed? Everybody starts out broken. Everybody starts out in shambles and pieces. You're a shell of what God intended you to be. You're a shell of what, he, what his original plan was for humanity and mankind. And that fragmented form of what his intention was is never how he intended to leave you. Matter of fact, it's as if his entire intention shifted as soon as mankind became fragmented or broken. Now all of a sudden his sole intention shifts to become a repairman, a fixer, one who restores, one who rebuilds, one who makes new. So the idea of living a broken life was never God's intention. As a matter of fact, God's only son, Jesus, in John 10.10 said, it is the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy... But he came to give us life and life more abundantly. In other words, I didn't come to leave you broken. I came to make you unbroken. I came to repair you. I came to put you back together. And something was real interesting. Uh, several years ago, one of my nephews, when he was very young, uh, he had an accident on a staircase and he broke his leg. And I remember thinking, oh, poor baby. And the, and the doctor said, man, yeah, it's not good. But understand, where his leg was broken will grow back stronger than it was originally. You see, some of us have scars and we've spent our life trying to hide our scars and we're, we're concerned about how the scars come across. And the reality of a scar is this. A scar does not mean you are wounded. A scar means you used to be wounded, but now you are healed. You see what I'm saying? A scar is where hurt used to be. A scar is where pain used to be. Our scars are some of the things that God's going to use to propel us to help people to get out of whatever we used to be in. In other words, God delivers you to become a delivering agent for other people. He rescues you to become a rescuer. So the, the, at the end of it all, this unbroken life that becomes an opportunity for Christians, which literally just means Christ ones, it, it, it's filled with what I believe we have four keys to living the unbroken life. I'll give you all four of them before I really take off on today. Number one, uh, it's literally to find our purpose because purpose is what fuels us. I'm going to teach on that this morning. Number two, it's our priorities. Uh, next week, I'm going to teach on priorities, how to live a life with godly priorities in the modern era. 
with everything pulling us in a thousand different directions, how do we still have godly priority? What do godly priorities look like in 2017, nearly 2018? I know all of you have your Christmas shopping done, so praise the Lord. The third week will be provision. Provision is one of the most important characteristics in the kingdom of God because the one thing that is the common denominator between everybody in this room and everybody watching us online is every one of us has to pay our light bill or somebody's paying it for you and every one of us has to go to the store to get food or however you do it because provision is a huge part of what God so I, of what God has established uh, has established us to operate in even in this realm. We are ambassadors of a completely different kingdom. So the provision of God is critical to live in that, living that unbroken life. And lastly, and I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but it's the most important thing in all of humanity, people. God cares more about people than anything else. He cares more about people than your purse. He cares more about people than your favorite uh, baseball card. He cares more about people than your favorite car. He cares more about people than your favorite house. He cares more about people than anything. The only thing that never leaves his mind is people. Somebody say amen. Purpose, that's what we're going to talk about today. Purpose is one of the most powerful things in all humanity. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. Verse number 26. This is the first week in creation, and God looks over, and he says, let us make man. That word man is actually the word mankind, humanity. He said, let us make humanity in our image after our likeness. Now that's interesting because God is one. Yet he says, let us make man in our image. In other words, God is not just one. He's also supernaturally three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there is a conversation happening amongst the Godhead in heaven. And he says, let us make mankind, humanity, in our likeness and in our image. And in the image, and, and he said, let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. He said, let them have dominion. Notice he didn't say, let him have dominion. He said, let them have dominion. If he'd have said, let him have dominion, you and, all, we, you and I would have to have the theological conversation as to whether or not this was specifically for Adam or if it was for all of humanity. But because he said, let us make mankind, let us make humanity in our likeness and our image, then he said, and let them, that's you and me, everybody sitting in New Heights Church in 2017, let them have dominion, the Bible says. In other words, the first thing that God gave humanity was a purpose. The first thing he did, he said, let us make you, let us make mankind in our likeness and in our image, in our image and in our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let them have a purpose, dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over everything that creeps on the earth, over every creeping thing and everything that creeps on the earth. So God created man, mankind, humanity, in his own image and in the image of God created him. Male and female. Male and female. I'm not going to hit this long, but I'm going to hit it. God created male and female. God created male and female. It is not a decision that is to be made after the decision has been made by God. You see what I'm saying? 
God created male and female. So along the way, uh, he says, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a purpose. Mankind, you need, you need to take dominion. The reason he said you need to take dominion is because anywhere you do not take dominion, dominion is taken over you. Dominion is a very simple word to understand. It just means dominate. Anything you do not dominate will dominate you. I heard it said one time, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm all the way with this, but it's a great quote, so I'll say it anyway. There are two types of people in the world. There are the obsessed and the average. Anything that you decide, no, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, almost without exception, you do it. Almost without exception, you make it happen. You might not hit your deadline. You might not hit your goal on time. But anything that you set your mind to do, because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Anything you set your mind to do, you almost always accomplish it. Because in life, you're either taking dominion over an area or you are having dominion taken over you in an area. So let me just give you one example. I'm going to kind of make light of it. There's something that, that, so God created the heavens and the earth and everything, and he did it in six days. He rested on the seventh day. And I'm convinced on day eight, he created a Twinkie, and then he put some icing on it, and we call it a zinger. Has anybody ever heard of a zinger? Just wave at me. Zingers may be the greatest thing on the planet as far as I'm concerned. So one of the things I do is when, when my kids and I, whenever we go to a, thank you, Micah, my kids and I, whenever we stop at a gas station, almost exclusively, I let them get out. I say, hey, man, go get whatever you want out of the, out of the store. Get some M&Ms, get some candy. Uh, praise the Lord. Actually, I tell them, get you some apples and banana slices. No, I don't do that. <laughs> Let's get some candy, praise God. Get in this truck. Let's go have a good time. Turn the music up. Let's jam a little bit. And, and, and they'll all do the same thing. They say, Daddy, I say, what? You want a zinger? I say, I want a zinger, baby. Get Daddy a zinger. Till a couple years ago, I realized I had a zinger problem because I, 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 I thought I can't even fuel my vehicle up without having me a pack of zingers. And I don't open a pack of zingers and leave a, leave a zinger uneaten. I'm just going to let you know. So when I was going to get a pack of zingers, I was going to have the pack of zingers. My, my weightlifting buddy and, and, and overall dietitian is in the room and his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. He's going, that's the problem. You're right. That's the problem. I just eat zingers. Praise the Lord. But here's the situation. I woke up. I wasn't really asleep. I remember thinking one day, I said, man, I don't want this thing feeling like it's telling me what to do. I know I'm joking about the zingers, but what is it in your life that's telling you what to do? What TV shows telling you what to do? I don't really think, I'm not going to itemize TV shows. I don't care at all what you watch. I don't care at all. But what's telling you what to do? What talking head on the radio or the news is telling you what to do? I can't function if I don't hear my such and such. Wait a minute. Does that sound like a life where I have dominion over what I'm accomplishing and what I'm not accomplishing? Or does that sound like a life that has dominion over me? You see, he later goes on to talk about the herb of the field talks about the fruit, the fruit of the trees, and all the things that we should have dominion over. And here's how it happens. Anything that you don't take dominion over, meaning you make the decision, I'm going to, I'm going to dominate in this area. This is where I'm going to be successful, not because I'm capable, but because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He said, man, I'm going to take dominion. In other words, you begin to go through different things, and you said, man, every area of my life, I'm going to take dominion. 
So here's how it starts. If, if you decide to not do it, 12, 13 years old, you, you begin to see the, 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 they used to have these commercials with the Marlboro man, but he died of cancer, so now they don't use him anymore. So they, they take this little stuff, and it's called tobacco, and I'm not here to talk against tobacco. I don't care if you use it or not. But, but they take this old plant, this old herb from the field that we're supposed to have dominion over. They dry it out in a barn, chop it up in little pieces, roll it up in a piece of paper. Then they get, try to get 12 and 13-year-old kids to just try it one time. They try it one time, they cough their brains out, their eyeballs turn red, but before you know it, they're smoking a pack a week. Then before you know it, it's two packs a week. Before you know it, it's a pack a day. And by the time they're 18, 19 years old, it's, a, it's, it's two packs of cigarettes a day. They've got no concept how it happened. And the reality was is it was an area that they did not take dominion over. And all of a sudden, the herb of the field creation now has dominion over them. Can I get a witness in the house of God? We're called to take dominion. If that's you and you want to stop smoking or dipping or any of those things, we'll believe God with you. He'll deliver you from, from all of that. Sometimes he'll do it instantly. Sometimes it's a process, process where you just got to commit and he'll help you with it and, and get you through it. But at the end of the day, it is the herb, it is creation taking dominion over what God told to take dominion over creation. So for us, our purpose is found in what God has told us to be. Number one, uh, when it comes to purpose, we have to understand our first purpose given to us is to take dominion. That means when, you, when you're feeling down in the dumps and, and, and nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm just going to go eat worms type of mentality comes up, you got to say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like God. That doesn't sound like I came to give you life and life more abundant. The Bible says you cast down vain imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That means you got to decide, I'm going to decide how I feel. Your body doesn't determine everything you do. Your mind doesn't determine everything you do. No, you can tell your you can tell your mind what to do. You can now sometimes uh, there's different things that we go through and uh, praise God for different seasons. But at the end of it, listen, you are called to be dominant in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. I mean dominant. That means when the devil comes knocking on your door, he leaves with two black eyes. You are the winner in this thing. We're not messing with the enemy. If Jesus didn't mess with him, we're not messing with him. Praise God. So number one. If we're going to live, live a purpose life, we have to recognize that, that, that a life of dominion is the number one thing. It's the first thing he did. So the first thing God gave mankind, humanity, was a purpose. Purpose is your fuel when nothing else seems to make sense. Number two, if you're taking notes, this is very important. You are no accident. There was not a cosmic explosion that made, you know, a big mass show up and, and there was some kind of a cosmic ooze and some amoeba crawled out of it and, and, and ended up millions and billions of years later, all of a sudden, there you are. Number one, no amoeba could grow into something as handsome as this preacher. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. No, you know how much faith that would take to believe that? If you can believe that nonsense, there's not a mountain that can stand in your way whenever your faith is directed in the right direction. But here's the, here's the problem. If you don't believe it was on purpose, if you don't believe God has a plan, if you don't believe you're made in His image and His likeness, now all of a sudden there really is no right and wrong. Because 
If that's the case, nobody has the light of God on the inside of them, the breath of God. So, for instance, uh, just, just this past week, one of the greatest tragedies in, in U.S. history came on, and every person that saw it on the news or the computer, wherever you saw it, your heart was broken. We immediately want to hug our loved ones a little closer. We so, man, I've been to a concert. I've been to a mall. I've been to these places where this, oh, my gosh, I just want to hug somebody. But, you know, my dog didn't care at all. We got chickens. They didn't peck on the window and go, what's going on in there? Because you are not without the light of God on the inside of you. You're no accident. The Bible says, before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. The Bible says he has plans for you that are greater than anything you could ever think or you could ask. He has a future for you that is filled with hope and goodness and the entire thing hangs on you understanding your purpose and your purpose is enshrined in who he has made you to be. In other words, I don't care where you were formed. I don't care where you were conceived. I don't care the situations around it. I don't care how it happened. You were fearfully and you are wonderfully made you are no accident and God has an overwhelming plan for your life give God a hand of praise in the house he has an overwhelming plan for your life I know this because he he chose to send his only son into the world through the womb of an unwed mother to prove that nobody comes from a place without purpose you see This idea of living the unbroken life, we have to understand that our purpose is what drives us. We are called to take dominion over every situation of our life. And through it all, you are no accident. And therefore, since you're no accident, you then have a plan. And if you then have a plan, your life's discovery is not trying to find out what makes me happy, then I'll do it. Your life's discovery is actually, what did he create me to do? Instead of finding out what you like, you're finding out what he created you for. It's the greatest endeavor that you could ever go on. It's the greatest treasure hunt to find out what would God have me do. Let me give you an example. If all you did for the rest of your life is chase what makes you happy, you would be chasing a moving target. Because what makes you happy today didn't make you happy then. What, listen, do you remember when you were 18, 19, 20, however you old, when you were dating your spouse and you're like, man, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to go to the movies at 6 o'clock. We're going to eat some popcorn. Then we'll go to dinner. Then we're going to go sit by the moon. Hopefully there'll be some fireworks over the water. And we'll just sit there all night. We didn't get in until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, pray. It was just wonderful. Just, oh, glory. It's just, oh, I'm just so in love. Bro, I'm 36 years old. I go on a date night. I'm like, let's grab some Starbucks, hook it. Let's go back to the house. You know what I'm talking about? Because things change as you get older. The idea of being out till 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to need some coffee. I'm going to need some caffeine. I'm going to need some tape to hold my eyes open. I don't know how to act at 3 o'clock. Does 3 o'clock in the morning even exist, praise God? That's the middle of the night. But what you used to like, child, I'll give you another example. My little boy, he's eight years old, and yesterday, I don't know why, but the kids decided, hey, we need to, we need to write our, our, our Christmas list out. And let me tell you something, they're getting good at it. <laughs> I'm talking single space, double-sided. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. He goes, he goes all right, here, here, here's what I want. 
and he names all these boy things, which I won't name for the sake of time, but just, just trust me, like boys, like Davy Crock. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Then he's like, then he just puts on there with, a, with an asterisk by it, a little star. He goes, something I want that you know I would like. <laughs> and, then, and then maybe one of my favorite, a goat. Another goat. And then, and then another one of my favorites. He said, a train that delivers me hot cocoa. <laughs> now, here's the deal. When he's my age, he's got little kids. And he, his daddy, you know, I'm going to tell him the same thing. When he's mine, I'm going to say, baby boy, daddy loves you. What you want for your birthday? Now, I'm going to get the grandkids a lot more and I'm going to get you. But praise the Lord, what do you want too? I promise he's not going to say a goat and, and uh, just get me something. Oh, by the way, Dad, bring me a choo-choo train that delivers hot cocoa. No, that's what an eight-year-old wants, which, to be honest with you, it just makes sense. A little train come by, and choo-choo, a little, drop a little uh, uh, marshmallow in there, just there you go. But if you're chasing what makes you happy, you'll be chasing it forever because what makes you happy changes. I tell Crystal all the time, I say, I so love you. I love you, girl. I love you. I don't want the, I don't want the 19-year-old you. I don't want the 20. I want the right now you. And 10 years from now, I'm going to want the right now you then too. And I'm, expect, I'm expecting you to be a little different. I'll be a little different. But I'm in love with you. That means whatever season we're in, I am in love with you. Because what I want, what I desire is her, not some image or season of her life. I want her. So when you, when you set your purpose, or excuse me, when you discover your purpose, not based off of what makes you happy on a temporary basis, but instead you, set, you, you begin to discover your purpose based off what God has called you to do. Now it's an infinite never-ending uh, cell or, or tank of fuel that will push you for the rest of your life. Give God another big hand of praise in the house. <laughs> Number three, you have to stay the course. Somebody say, stay the course. Stay the course. Listen, the, the, the Bible is so filled with godly people that go through challenges that the idea that the godly will not go through challenges is simply not true. You have to stay the course. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in the book of Daniel. And the Bible says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three guys, they're about to get thrown in, a, in an oven. They're about to get thrown in a furnace and cooked for their beliefs. And the Bible says that the king looks down at him and says, listen, ki- listen, guys, if you'll bow to me, if you'll get rid of your purpose and you'll get involved in my purpose, if you'll decide that your vision is not as strong as the vision that I have, if you'll decide to bow the knee, if you'll decide to come double-minded, if you'll do that, then I will make sure you don't burn And those guys look back at him, and I love it. It's probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. They said this. They said, our God can deliver us, and he will deliver us. But if he does not, I do not bow to you. Sometimes we just got to be, we we might not be, feel like we're winning, but we can certainly outlast the enemy. You see what I'm saying? 
There's something about a consistent life of faith, a consistent life of purpose where you say, man, I know they're not, they're not receiving me right now and they don't want to hear about Jesus right now, but I'm not giving up on them. And the reason I'm not giving up on them is because Jesus never gave up on me. Somebody say amen. amen. At this church, I'm, gonna, I'm about to define our purpose real strong. And I want you to listen to this. And if you're a member of this church or if you think you want to be a member of this church, this is our vision. This is our purpose. If you can get behind this, we want you behind this. Our vision, our purpose is to love people and point them to Christ. Let's say that together. Love people and point them to Christ. Everybody has a reputation. Everybody. You don't have to do anything for it, but you can help your reputation if you understand that you're going to have one. So for us, as our reputation grows, and you guys see the growth, it's crazy. As our reputation grows, we want to be known for loving people and pointing them to Christ, period. That means when when somebody is in sin, we are not grabbing rocks and throwing them at them. Somebody say amen. Amen. We're not going to be rock throwers. Praise God. If a member of this church does something wrong, does something that offends you, hurts your feelings, you are not authorized to be offended with them. Because our purpose is to love people and point them to Christ. Because here's the deal. If your purpose is large enough, you'll find out how to do what needs to be done. If your purpose is significant enough, you'll find a way to accomplish what you need to accomplish. If your child is stranded on a desert island, whether you have to go in a canoe, a cruise ship, a cruise boat, a sailboat, or mom, you got to grab a knife, stick it in your teeth, and swim across the Atlantic Ocean, you'll find a way because the reason, the purpose is so large that how you do it is insignificant compared to what you're going to do. Whatever our purpose is, we're going to do it. And at this church, let's say it together, we're going to love people and point them to Christ. That means, it, we, we, that means we don't have time to complain, praise the Lord. And nobody complains at this church. I'm just talking now because I feel like we've come across a five-year barrier. And I feel like what the Lord is calling us to is greater than what we've done so far. So I just want to, I just want to set the atmosphere. We don't have time to complain. Because at the end of it all, this church is not here to entertain Christians. Oh, well, praise God for that one amen here in the library. I'm going to try that again. This church is not here to entertain Christians. I am not an entertainer. The worship team is not an entertainer. The ministers we bring through here, they are not entertainers. We take this very seriously. It is our job, the Bible says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The Bible says when Jesus was was looked for, he said, Mom, you should have known I'd be about my father's business. We run everything, every single thing through the filter of does this love people and point them to Christ or not? And if it does not, we throw it out. Because we will do anything short of sin to convince people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is what we will be known for. So we don't have time to complain. Listen, something's going to happen pretty soon. We're going to be kicking these walls out. Are we going to be buying more property? We'll blow this wall out. We'll redo the whole thing. I don't care. I know we're going to do something. I know we're going to do something. Something's about to shift in a big way, but, but that may mean some shifts in us. 
I might lose my seat up here. Praise God. I might have to stand up in the back till it's time to preach. Just walk up. That's fine with me. Because I'm not committed to my seat. Praise the Lord. I'm not committed to, to, to making sure that, that, that this is right. I'm committed to loving people and pointing them to Christ. Give God another big hand clap. Everything we do goes through that filter. Every single thing. Last point I'm going to make. Last point I'm going to make right here. Number four. Purpose requires action. Everybody say action. We had some great ministers here this past week did a great job. And they don't know our church like we know our church. So I always like to know kind of what they're going to, not, not what they're going to say before they say it. But I like to really pay attention to what they say. Because a lot of times they'll come in and they'll say something and and. And it'll just kind of stir up what we're already feeling or experiencing. And both of the ministers that came in, one, uh, Pastor Obed, he's all the way from uh, California. And the other one, uh, Pastor Steele, he's all the way from Arizona. Both of them, they, they preach different message. But a, a common theme that you found in each one of them was, was, hey, there's a real call to arms happening right now. What I mean by that is an encouragement for each one of us to kind of take that next step. I don't know what your next step is. You might not know what my next step is, but, but that next step of faith, that next step of moving out there, because purpose in, order for it to, uh, purpose, in order for it to be fulfilled, always requires action. A, a bad idea implemented well outperforms a good idea not implemented. I'm going to say that again. A bad idea implemented well with action outperforms a great idea that's not implemented. In other words, each one of us has a role that we can play. Each one of us has a role that we can play. And what God miraculously does is as we begin to pursue and fulfill our purpose, what happens is our life goes from this broken state to now we become more connected. We begin to reattach in areas that Maybe in a time before we thought, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about God. I'm, I'm too nervous. I'm too insecure. Everybody's going to make fun of me. I don't know what to say. I don't know enough of the Bible. What if they ask me about the, 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 the 23rd Psalm and I can't quote it? Well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Then all of a sudden you just start to take some action. And the broken areas of your life just start getting healed and mended. And sometimes you notice it immediately. Sometimes you can only see it in the rear view. You go, whoa. Look what God has done in my life as I began to pursue my purpose. The Bible says in Matthew 4 and 18, I'll just read it to you. Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and saw two guys, Simon and Peter. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, throwing a net into the sea, for they were fishers, fishermen. And he said, hey guys, hey, 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 Peter, Andrew, come here. If you'll follow me, I will make you fishers of men. The first thing Jesus said to them is, I have a purpose for you. I've heard it said before, two most important days in a person's life, the day they're born and the day they realize why. You were called. You were purposed. Each one of us has our own little individual tracks, of course. But you were called to love people 
and point them to Christ. You don't, listen, I, when I grew up, we always said it like this. You know, so-and-so, they did this, 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 rah. I can't believe they did this. And, and we'd talk them in the ground. And then we'd say, but I love them, you know. I love them, praise God. I don't love the sin, but I love them. And I'm like, wait a minute. We understand that with our Christianese lingo. But I'm wondering if they understand that we really love them when we spend all day talking about what we don't like. Just because we say, I love you, that doesn't mean I condone everything that you do. I got a good friend of mine. Politically, we could not be further apart. Could not be. I hope he watches this message. Could not be further apart, but I love him and he loves me. He's been one of my best friends for oh, 15 years anyway. We couldn't be further apart. Couldn't be further apart. But he loves me and I love him. We don't agree on everything. Just because you love somebody and you show compassion, that doesn't mean you agree with everything they're doing. And let me say it this way. You don't have to tell everybody that you disagree with everything they're doing either. You can just love them and point them to Christ. Because if what we used to do worked, Jesus would already be back. Amen. He'd already ransomed us out of here. Oh, man, y'all did it. Just like I was hoping for. We're gone. Oh, he's looking for a church that just decides if we're going to die in a ditch, we're going to die in the love ditch. That's where we're going to die. We're going to die in the love ditch. What do you mean? You're just going to look over everything? Well, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes you're exposed to something somebody did wrong because God wants somebody to hide it. What if instead of feeling the obligation to pick up the phone and call your sister and tell her about it, you felt the obligation to hit your knees and ask God to forgive them for something they don't even know they did wrong? Man, I feel God. I'm not talking about ladies. What if, it, what, if it was, what if it was the same thing at the job site? Instead of your first inclination was to go and make sure everybody knew what Billy did last night, you were the one that said, Billy, man, if that ever happens again, you call me because I'll make sure nobody knows about it. Why'd you do that? Man, I'm just... I'm just broken, but God made me unbroken, and He'll do it for you, Billy. But I thought Christians were this. Well, Christians aren't. Christians love people and point them to Christ. That's what Christians do. And if we ever miss the mark before Billy, I'm sorry, Billy. Why are you apologizing to me? Because more than I want to be right, I want you right with God. More than I want you to understand me, I want you to understand Him. And what He cares about is you. What I did this, I did that. I don't even want to give you the list of what I did, Billy. I'm just telling you, this God that I serve, I go to church on Sunday, I even try to make it on Wednesday. And this God that somehow saved me and helped my family get restored and all these other, this this same God, man, He'll do it for you. You think so? Man, I know so. What if I smell like such and such when I come in? I got a seat saved for you. You can sit right by me. What if people look at me? What if they do? What if they don't look at me? What if they don't? 
Billy, I'm just trying to tell you that this God that we that I serve, me and my family and our whole church, this God that we serve, He cares about you so much. All these things you do are inconsequential. We'll take Him through all the salvation, all the realities of salvation. We'll teach Him all of it. But the Bible says, get this, and just, you don't hear anything else I say today. Love never fails. One of my good friends has been with us now for almost five years. He said, man, about two years ago, I heard a shift in your sermons. He said, it's like, he said, it's like you just, you're infatuated with love. I said, man, I think it's the only place you can't go too hard. I think you can miss it with the word, with, not with the word, but with the law. I think you can miss it. I think you can go too hard. I think you can hurt people. I think you can make it an, an, an unclimbable mountain. But love will never pass away. It never fails. When God was asked, when, if we ask God to define himself, his Bible says God is love. What is love? I'm glad you asked. Timothy said, for this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us and gave himself, inconvenienced himself as a payment for our sins. In other words, these things and greater shall you do. Love is not returning compassion for somebody who is compassionate about you. Love is First, loving them and being willing to be inconvenienced for their sake. Yikes. So the scripture says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. Number four, purpose requires action. Jesus said, hey, I got something for you. I've got a purpose for you and your brother. And they immediately responded with action. Out on the table out there, you're going to find cards. They just say New Heights or I don't even remember what they say on them now. They're so simple to invite somebody to church. We're coming into a season where our purpose will require action on our part. Not just corporately, not just as the church. We're going to do it. But I'm talking individually. We're going to have to get... If Listen, I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day. And I said, here's the thing about witnessing to somebody or inviting them to church or you know, asking if they need prayer. Any of the things. And we'll help you with all that. But all of it. You never lose the butterflies. Listen, I, I, I witness to people, I don't, I'm not trying to say this, talk about me, but all the time, it's a personal priority in our family's life to be personal soul winners as well as, you know, to minister at the church this way. But the butterflies never go away. I have the same thought almost every time. They don't want to talk to you. They're busy. Just, look, you can tell they got their kids with them. Just, just don't even work, just don't even talk to them. Just go on. And I, those butterflies, they're still there. But I found, if you'll take dominion, 
If you'll say, no, butterflies, you're not telling me what to do. If you'll take dominion, and then you begin to realize, hey, I'm no accident. That means I might not even, I'm not right here by an accident. I'm, God may have ordained this exact moment to be their moment when they get set free. Who am I to stop God from using me? You know who God used in the Bible? He didn't use the able, the people who were capable. He used the willing and made them able. He used the ones who would, not just the ones who could. If you could, that almost, sometimes the areas of your life where you feel real strong, that's some of the areas sometimes God just doesn't use you because you'll take the credit. Man, this feels like a Wednesday night message, you know? So, so you take dominion over those thoughts and you do it anyway. And then you, then you begin to realize, you know, you begin to walk in the truth that you're not an accident. Then you just stay consistent. No, I'm just going to love people. I'm going to point them to Christ. But what do you mean? Oh, I'm just going to love people and point them to Christ. But they did this, this, and this. Yeah, but I'm going to love them anyway. Well, why are you going to do that? Because he first loved us and that's what he told me to be. He told me to love them first. But they don't like you. Well, they don't like Jesus either. So that puts me in pretty good company. Praise the Lord. They're going to think you're weird. Well, they all thought Jesus was crazy too. Pretty good company. Well, what, what do you mean? What are you going to do? Well, when, when, when everything goes, what are you going to do? I'm just going to be consistent. When the day comes, when something else happens, God's going to find me being consistent. That's a decision you make every day. Like those zingers, praise the Lord. You can't make a decision. You can't make a 10-year decision on the spot with a zinger. You got to live day by day. You drive up to that gas station, you got to say, I'm, I pray in tongues the whole time I'm getting gas. Praise the Lord. She be be ba 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 Jump in the truck fast as I can. Whoa! Whoo! You're a delivering God. But then, lastly, you got to put some action behind it. We're going to have a lot of opportunities to do that. One coming up. December 10th, we're calling it Sacred Sunday. Our church is in such a, such a, a, a growth mode right now, and I'm so thankful for it. We're going to take Sacred Sunday at every service, and we're going to have a very sacred offering where we're all going to sow our best gift towards growth. So that's two months away. Why are you even talking about it? Because I want you praying about it now. This is not something I want you have an emotional reaction or anything. I want you to think, what, God, what would you have me do? Because what we're going to do over the next several years is going to be monumental. There's going to be people around you that don't look like you, that don't sound like you, they don't smell like you. They're actually going to smell good, praise the Lord. There's going to be people around you. There's going to be people you don't know. There's going to be families that you'll meet in the next year at this church that you're going to become lifelong friends and family members with. Some of you, you're going to find the relationships that you so longed for. Your children are going to grow up together. You're going to vacation together. So we're going to give towards growth, and we're going to commit not only our best first fruit that day, but we're also going to commit to a 90-day commitment. What can we do? What can we do? It takes action. What can we do individually? Maybe for some it's going to be, you know what, we're not going to go out to eat once a week and we're going to take that and we're going to sow it into the house of God. We're going to sow it towards growth. We're going to sow it towards what God's going to do. 
Maybe, maybe it's, you know, if you drink 10 cups of Starbucks a day, maybe you'll only drink nine. I don't know. Praise God. We're going to commit together. It's going to be a very holy thing. So I want you to be praying about that even now. Because purpose requires action. Everybody say action. Stand to your feet, please. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. When I count to three, I want you to, unli- I want you to lift your hand. And with a lifted hand, you're saying, Oh God, remember me. And I'm telling you, He really will. Maybe you would say it differently. Maybe you would say, I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. And I want to come home. If that's you and you used to walk strong with God, but somehow or another you've fallen out of relationship with Him, I want you to lift your hand too. Because what God's going to do is He's going to, He's going to cleanse you of everything you've ever done wrong. He's going to wash you. And the only thing, His blood, the only thing that will cleanse. And what will happen is now your purpose will become your fuel, your driving force. Because if your purpose is big enough, you'll figure out how to get it done. If that's you, you've never said yes to Jesus or you know today's your day. You're not here by accident. You're here to recommit your life. If that's you, and I count to three, lift your hand. One, two, three, lift your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I see that hand, thank you. I'm feeling real strong in my spirit. Everybody head bowed, eyes closed, please. I don't want to embarrass you. But I sense two more. And it would be like this. It would be like, man... I just don't know. I, I feel like I was, I was red hot for so long and then something happened and it was like a drifting away. And so I'm not even calling you like backslid. I'm not calling you anything like that. But you just sense in your spirit, man, there's a rekindling and I feel like God's telling me to do that. And if the preacher would have said something like that, I would have lifted my hand. Well, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Now I'm saying it. So if that's you and you know the fire used to burn super bright, something happened. You're not away from God in totality, but you know there's another level. If that's you, lift your hand. One, two, three. There you are, 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 there you are. Now let's all lift one hand to heaven. Pray this after me. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. Give me that purpose that will drive me for the rest of my life. I'm a Christian now on my way to heaven in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, praise God. Awesome. Well, listen, if you said yes to Jesus today for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, I want to tell you this. Christians do a lot, but here's a few things we do. Number one, Christians pray. If you don't know how to pray, talk to God like you're talking to your best friend. Number two, Christians read their Bible. If you don't have a Bible, stop by the tent, we'll give you one. If you don't know where to start in the Bible, start with the book of John. We call it the gospel of love. Plus, we have a lot of Johns in this church, so it just works out. Lastly, Christians go to church. If you live within 100 miles of right here, welcome to New Heights Church. Welcome home. 
in Jesus' name. Don't forget, next week is our New to New Heights. All of our First Touch team, all our volunteers will be there. It'll be a great time for you to meet everybody. If you've been coming for a while and you want to be a member, that's the time to do it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. We'll have child care, child care and everything that night. You can text N2N to 313131. But before we leave, if you're here today and you know this is the church for you and you've never made it official, the Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Everybody say flourish. Anything that ever has a chance to grow has to first get planted. You go down to the co-op, get a bunch of seed. It's going sit it to sit it on your shelf. It's just going to be seed. But the minute you plant it, now it has the potential to fulfill the purpose that it was destined to fulfill. So when you get planted in this house, you become a partaker of every grace that's on this house. So our, our new members class is coming up next week. Love you to be there. But sometimes it's difficult to make it. I understand scheduling in this day and age. So if you know today that this is the house for you, maybe it's your first time here, or maybe you've been coming for weeks or months, but you've never made that commitment. If that's you and you say, man, I know this is the place for me, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to call you to the front, not going to put a microphone in your face. There's no requirement. There's no financial requirement to join our church. We just want your dreams to come true. So if that's you and you want to draw a line in the sand today and say, man, I feel it in my heart. This is the church for me. I know it. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand and just let us clap our hands and tell you we love you. So if that's you, you want to join the church today before you leave, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up real tall. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. I don't see anybody today. Let's all pray. Father, in Jesus' name, bless your people coming in. Bless them going out. Bless them in the city and the field. As we commit to fulfill your purpose, help us to put action behind our faith. This week and every week, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.